I'm just going to ask if there's a couple of testimonies that people would like to share about things God has done this week. Mika would like to share one, but she'll be here in a minute, so I need somebody else to start things off. Oh, she's ready. Okay, come up, Lyle. Ah, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for, the, for your saving my neck once again, dear Father. Twice in 16 months, dear Lord. No broken bones. Hallelujah. And I just praise your name, dear Father, for your faithfulness to me, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Amen. I first of all just want to say how uh, thankful I am to see you all. It's just beautiful to be back with our church family and then to have scones as well. Thanks, Sal. <laughs> um, and the testimony, apart from just being so good to be back together again, uh, you know I like bushwalking. And I think my daughter actually likes bushwalking more than I do, which I thought was impossible years ago. And she had a heart attack a few years ago, and now she's right back into it and doing very well. And that's a testimony in itself. Hallelujah for God's healing. So she said, let's go on the overland track. And I said, oh, I'm not really sure this time. I haven't been feeling all that well. And she said, well, I'm going. <laughs> so um, she chose the shortest day of the, the year week to go in the middle of winter. And she said, guess what? The forecast's really good, Mum. And I said, what? What's the forecast, Ali? And Ali said, oh, no snow. It's just going to be rain. And I had a look and it was like rain every day of the six days of the overland track and I'm like oh no and for COVID requirements you weren't allowed to be using the hut so it was going to be tents rain every day and the ferry wasn't running because they chose this time to put the ferry through get new motors and repaint and refurbishing which meant an extra day at the end so a whole six days of walking and I thought oh so I didn't have the usual look forward to going on the overland track but I knew it would be okay but I didn't have that real optimism anyway so the testimony that I wanted to share today in in short was that you guys had torrential rain during the week that we went it was torrential and our families and my John was really really worried because we were out there in the wettest place in the world in that torrential rain but guess what we weren't because you guys got all the rain and we didn't <laughs> and uh, God is so good and I was so thankful every day just walking through and seeing the beauty of God's creation in Tasmania it's mind-blowing out there some of you might have seen the photos but just to know how blessed we were from God that you guys got torrential rain and that we had beautiful days for walking and two of the best sunsets that we've ever experienced so thank you Lord I think quite often God does a whole lot of things behind the scenes, even little things that we need to be thankful for that we often don't recognise. So it's good to hear little things like that. Um, today's going to be a, uh, a communion service, but again, it's going to have a different feel to what we've normally done. Uh, I want to start off with a verse from Ezekiel 37. So if you do have your Bibles, turn to that. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting from verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. 
I think it's interesting that when, when God showed him something, he didn't just go, oh, have a quick look at that. He took him around. He got to see that they were many and they were very, very dry. In the natural, these bones were dead and nothing was going to happen to them. God allowed him to see that. In verse 3 it says, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh God, you know. I think what a wise response. And his, his response may have been one of a lack of faith. But what I love is the fact that he kept his eyes focused on the fact that God knows. And when God asks you a question, don't say, no, it's not going to happen. God, you know. And he goes on there and responds. And, and God says, again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and will bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And his response to that, how many of us would look at that and go, you are kidding me. What, God, what are you thinking? His response to this was, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And what I love is that Ezekiel kept his focus on God, listened to what God was saying, and allowed God to give him the direction that he needed. What would have happened if Ezekiel said, God, you're aware these bones are not only dead, but very dry. They're half rotten. God, you know this isn't normal. God, you know this can't happen. But he didn't say that. He chose to align himself with God and listen to what God's direction was. And coming out of COVID, we've basically been seeking God as, a, as an eldership, me definitely as pastor, uh, part of our leadership team, our staff. We've been meeting time and time again saying, God, what do you want for us as a church? The last 18 months, the theme has been birthing and God's been speaking about birthing something new in this place. And, and we're hearing this all over the place. The theme of reset is something that's becoming more and more common. And like I said last week, reset doesn't just mean starting again. It means to set from start, but maybe even with something different. And, and I love that sort of concept in there because uh, as a church, we're feeling to do something different as you're obviously seeing but not run a program where every Sunday it's cafe like this we're trying to disciple people that's the direction we feel God is leading us into we need to be discipling people because ministry doesn't just happen here too many people do their Christianity uh, in church where it's safe but we're called to take our Christianity out into the world out into the workplace, out in the places that we mingle every day. And Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says, And he gave himself, uh, sorry, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And over the last couple of months, that's the phrase that God's been ringing in me, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And some of the things we're doing around the tables is to create uh, a culture where you understand small groups, where you function at a, at a small group level because the church, I can preach, I can put a lot of time into a sermon and preach what God has given me to preach. But you learn better when you talk. I learn better from an apprentice style training. Somebody show me something but then let me do it because that's how I learn. 
and we need to actually be engaging with each other because I look around this room and I see a whole lot of ministries in this place. Over here, over here, over here, and even at the back within our kids. God can speak through every single one of you. If God can use a donkey to witness to someone, he can use you to breathe life into someone. The things that you can bring out at the table are very powerful and, and they can train and equip others. You can pray for each other at a table level in a much more effective way. You can grow in a much more effective way. And I've had people saying, well, why aren't we doing worship yet? Because we want to do what God's leading us into. And I'm not saying we don't do worship. We can worship anytime. There's so much music on Spotify or YouTube or, or wherever else. We can worship anytime. And we should worship anytime. But we're going step by step by step, allowing God to lead us. We want to be in tune with what he's saying. And we're feeling at the moment, it's to make disciples. It's to focus on discipleship. It's to focus on, on equipping people. And this week, we had a meeting on Wednesday night to, to continue talking, a bit of an update on last week, to look at where we are. And I was praying, God, last week went good. We had a lot of great feedback, but what about this week? God, I need help. What, what are we doing this week? And I started praying, and I very clearly heard God say, instead of praying for one thing, expand your horizons and ask me what I want. So I did that. I said, God, help me get on the same page as you. And as I prayed that, I suddenly heard him say, teach people to hear my voice. Teach people how to pray to me. Teach people how to pray for others. Teach people how to worship. Teach people how to pray with authority. Teach people kingdom principles. Teach them how to draw near to me. Teach people how to evangelize. Teach people intercessory prayer. Teach people how to tarry. Teach people how to wait on me. Teach people how to soak in my presence. Teach people how to study the word, not just go to YouTube. Teach people about the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there's a whole thing in here. And as I looked at that, I thought, this is basic discipleship. God wants us to grow in the principles here, not so we can do church here, but so we can do church out there. So that you can actually engage with people where you're at. And around the tables, and you've noticed that there's a lot of kids in here, the benefit of a cafe is that a kids over here could be making noise and people over here can still hear themselves talking. But these kids are actually learning ministry principles for them growing up. And it's part of something we feel God wants us to do is to do church as families, to train the kids, to listen to the kids. Now, kids have something to say. And like I said, if God can use a donkey, God can actually use a child to say something that will impact your life in a great way. And these times around the table are really kingdom connections. We're connecting with the principles of God we do ministry at the tables. You learn how to do ministry at a small group level, but you also learn how to have conversation that is God-focused. So when you're again out there, you're at a cafe with some friends, you can suddenly ask questions that, well, what's God done in your life this week? And just some basic things that you can start these things rolling. A couple of weeks ago, I was prompted to dig out a prophetic word that I heard back in 1992 or three, somewhere just before we got married, uh, by David McCracken, who is Steve McCracken's father, who's been here a couple of times. And, uh, and as I was reading through these prophecies, 
I stumbled on one from 1999 from John Jacks. And it says, I can see you at a place in the future where God is strategizing things and you're praying and, and asking God for strategy and people are saying, but that's not how we do things. But he said, you keep listening to God, you keep getting a strategy from God and God will start feeding you what you need to do. And as you do, a team will start to gather around you. And he said, I see it becoming like a sharp arrow that's cutting through the harvest field and many, many people will respond. But what I loved about it was said, you will know in your spirit when that time is. And as I read that, this is now. And I believe God wants to bring in a harvest that's not going to happen here. It's going to happen out there. Because to bring in the lost, we have to be mixing with the lost. The arrow has to cut through the wheat for the wheat to be brought in. So the things that you're doing around the tables are an important part of, of ministry growth. It's an important part of discipleship. As I was praying yesterday, the, the phrase I heard was, follow God's lead. And I thought back to the, uh, the DNA prophetic word that uh, Steve McCracken had here, and that was one of the lines within outreach, follow God's lead. Another one was in pioneering, there's new things. And his prophetic word was, creation is not a Genesis 1 thing, it's a God thing, and he's still creating today. He is still birthing things today. Sometimes we've called it entrepreneurial. Sometimes we call it visionary, but it's creative. It's starting something new, birthing something in the spirit. And I wanted to declare something new to your church right now. God wants to birth some things. He doesn't just want to resurrect old things and dead things. He wants to birth some new things. But he needs some people to say, God, we want to embrace this pioneering there are new things in God. Why? Because he's a creating God and I'm created in his image. And the other one was in relation to process, keeping in step. We need to at this time be keeping in step, hearing what Father is saying, saying what he wants us to say, not speaking when he wants us to not speak. But we need to be stepping back saying, God, even in this situation, what is it you want me to do? I was listening to a podcast this week and uh, Steve McCracken was talking about uh, all the prophetic and how things are functioning at the moment and he said even in the things we face we need to have one ear tuned to God to say God what are you saying in this moment and he said when Osama bin Laden was, was captured and killed he went aside and he said God what are you saying in this moment and he said I heard God very clearly say I created man for relationship. Now that that man is gone, I will never, ever have another chance for relationship with him. And he said it was good to hear the heart of God for the lost. We will write some people off. But God says everyone needs a chance to hear about me. And so we need to be hearing God. We need to be learning from God so that we can take things out into the workplace. Today we're going to have communion. And, and what I love about communion is it's, it's a declaration of the covenant that I have with God. And it's easy for us to, to fall around. Uh, we come to church on Sunday, we, we have a bit of biscuit, we have a bit of juice. But the word communion literally means partnership. If you're in partnership with somebody in business, you cannot make a decision on that business without consulting your partner. 
So why do we make so many decisions regarding our spiritual life without consulting our partner, God? Communion brings us back to that place. We say, God, I'm in covenant with you. I am in partnership with you. I have this need in my life and I'm bringing you in on this need, God, because I can't do this on my own. I want to see God do things in my life and every time I have communion, it brings me back to that place where I remember a body broken and blood shed for me. It puts me in a place where, where it reminds me of the covenant that I have with God. 1 Corinthians 11, 24 to 26 says, it tells us that it's a time to remember what Jesus has done. Verse 26 says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What I'm saying is, God, I'm in partnership with you. I might not be feeling well. I might have a need in my life. My kids might be off the rails. My marriage is on the rocks. But God, I am in partnership with you and I am bringing my need before you. And I need to know what you want to do with this situation. It brings us back into that place where we're including God in everything before us. Communion isn't a time, or it's something we can do on a regular basis. You can do communion multiple times a day. If we look at Acts 2.42 onwards, it talks about the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, having meals together, fellowship, sharing the Lord's Supper, and praying. It goes on to say they met in the temple every day, that they met in houses regularly. We are not created to do Christianity on Sunday for two hours. We are created to be a community where we engage with people, where we do things together, and God wants to be part of that. You might have times where you take communion because you're in desperate need for a breakthrough from God. It doesn't, it shouldn't be a time where we have a snack. There might be times when things are hard and having communion doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed straight away. But it reminds us that God is a part of this. I was going to ask Liz to come forward and share something of her experience with communion uh, a number of years ago. Because like I said, it's not always, not always an easy thing. Um, we were talking on... Friday morning just about how we were going to do the service and that and I said as a life group a few years ago we I can't even remember how long it was but we really felt like the Lord was saying that it was important for us to be taking communion individually in our homes every day and we kind of committed to one another that that was what we were going to do and at the time my body was really sick there was stuff that was going on that was really hard and there was one day in particular that I remember sitting at my kitchen table in just desperation and it was it was it was just hard um, and I, f- I knew that you know we were in this place of taking communion every day and and the Lord said to me go take communion Now, the distance between my kitchen table and getting to my pantry isn't huge. But the battle that was going on for me to get there was really, really hard. And it was the verse that Adrian just read out of 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, Whenever you eat this this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. 
And it was in that moment that as I really, really struggled to get from one side of my kitchen to my pantry to get out the things that I needed for communion. And I literally sat in the bottom of my pantry that day because I couldn't physically make it back again. That I just took communion because I got to that point and I was like, I am going to retell the story of what Jesus did for me. And I did that in the bottom of my pantry. It was really simple. It was taking the bread and going, Lord, I'm remembering. It was taking the juice and it was, Lord, I'm remembering. And it was from there that there was something that broke. It broke in the atmosphere. Something changed in my body. Something changed within the situation that we were encountering as well. And I just want to encourage you. It does, I mean, you know, we take communion. I've taken communion with my kids at different times. Just because at the dinner table or we've been facing something that's been difficult or we've been, you know, when I was single parenting and and it was really hard sometimes because the money wasn't there but we'd take communion in faith knowing that God was our provider and he would come through every time in the most amazing and miraculous ways. My kids can testify to the power of taking communion. We take communion now in our household not just on a Sunday, but because we just feel God leading or because we know that actually we just need to pray and we need to press into God and we need to retell the story of the victory that Jesus had on the cross and that we are seated with him. You are seated with him in the heavenly places and that victory is yours in whatever circumstance it is that you face in your household, in your life, in your business, school or wherever else it is that you might be facing something But it's also just an amazing way to just come into the presence of God really simply and just go, Lord, I just want to partner with you right now and acknowledge your presence right here, right now. So today we're going to do communion, but I want to do it different to what we've normally done. And again, coming back to the table concept, I want you to lead communion at your table. We've got, uh, again, a series of questions. Uh, You might fill things in on there if you want to scribble some notes, but they're they're just, they're designed to generate conversation. You're not going to be marked on this. I don't care what you write on it. I had one come back last week uh, asking, what do you think of of Acts 2.42 and how we do church? And at the bottom it had Baloo, who's a kin's little son. And it was, what's God done in your life this week? Baloo. Everything, he wrote his name all over. The paper is there to help spark conversation. You're not going to be tested on this. But I want you to lead communion using the principles on this sheet, using the questions on this sheet. Talk about it at your table. Tease it out because you need to know how to do communion at home. And for so long we've had people saying, I can't get up and share a communion message. But every single person in this room should be able to. People don't necessarily want to speak in front of a crowd, I understand that, but you should be able to take communion at home with your family. Men, men, lead your family. I didn't hear a single amen on that. Men, you need to lead your family in the principles of God. Teach them how to pray, teach them how to have communion. Be a leader in your home. Don't just leave it up to your wife. You are partners. We need to know how to do communion at home. 
on our own, with our spouse, with our partner, with our family, but you need to know how to do community. You need to include God in your life every day. So we're going to open up now for you to uh, have this time of conversation, have somebody at the table at the end, uh, you know, pray for everybody at the table. Find out what needs there are in, uh, at your table. Lay hands on each other. Don't be worried about the noise. The kids are going to be involved doing their own things. You include God in this conversation. This is about you learning to partner with God. So for the next 15, 20 minutes or maybe even longer, we're going to allow conversation around this. But do commune at your table. You take charge. You lead. You share the testimonies. You answer the questions so that you can be trained here to take it further. I'm just going to jump in for a minute. Feel free to, to continue when I finish with the, the conversation. You may not have had communion yet. There's still quite a number of, of people that haven't. But I want to encourage you to pray for each other around the table as part of this time. Because if we're including God in, in every part of our lives, we need to be the model of God in that as well. Just as we were sharing uh, communion, I was asking the, uh, some of the guys to give us uh, their breakdown of something they picked up in one of the verses. And, uh, and Emmanuel was praying, thank you that John saw Jesus and was able to say. And I thought we've always looked, I've always looked at that verse of Jesus being the Lamb of God. But John goes, this is the guy you need to pay attention to. And he was able to be part of that. We need to be that person to those around us. So uh, around your tables, pray for people. We're just going to pray uh, corporately for Brian, who's, uh, who's gone back to hospital this week. Still waiting for tests for the MRI. He's been in hospital for a few days now and still hasn't, hasn't had the test. But God knows what's going on in his life. And so together, we're just going to pray. So Lord, we want to thank you that, that we can come together and bring every need before you. Lord, we bring Brian before you. Father, we speak healing over his body. Lord, I ask you to give the doctors wisdom to know what there is and, and how to deal with it. Lord, he is trusting you in this. And so, Lord, we continue to stand in agreement for healing for Brian in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for every other person here, every need that is represented. We declare that you are our God. We declare that you are our provider. We declare that you are our king. We declare that we are in partnership with you and that we can stand in agreement with you and your word because you have never let us down. Oh God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your blessing. We ask that you help us to take who we are in you and share it to those around us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Just before I release you back into this, the last comment I've got on there is for homework is to do this every day for seven days. Whether it's on your own, whether it's with your, your spouse or your partner or, or uh, your kids, do this for seven days. Let this become a habit of something you continue bringing God into the partnership of your life. I'll leave you to this. Feel free to go whenever you want to. You can certainly have another cuppa. There's no rush for us to get out. But let God be part of your life for this week. Have a wonderful week. God bless.